Good morning. Nice to be here. Last night I was uh, at the U of A football game on the sidelines. It was the ESPN game, so that went a little long. Yeah, I know, the, the six Wildcats that are here. I know where we are, but I have to tell you, the Sun Devils played well yesterday. They had, man, they, they had speed on that return team, something fierce. I love football, I gotta tell you. So I had a nice drive up here last night, leaving Tucson about 11.30. And of course, I'm only speaking six times today, I figured out. Tonight, by the way, seven o'clock, we're gonna, we're gonna rock and roll about a great subject. That I'm 67 years old, okay, you gotta know that. I've been married for 43 years, uh, in a row, uh, to the same woman, to the same lucky woman. And, um, but I'm here to tell you, sexually, you slow down. I mean, I'm here to tell you, I'm, I'm testimony. We're down to uh, three or four times a week now. So, and I'm writing a book, I've got it conceptualized, called Sex and the Walker. It's going to be a big hit. But you know, sex is a little bit like the forward pass in football. Three things can happen, and two of them are very bad. <laughs> but sex was a gift from God, and if you look at our society, man, we perverted sex every way possible, known to mankind. Uh, you should know this about me. Um, if there's one thing I didn't want to be in life, it was a Christian. I went out of my way to avoid Christians. I thought they were the geekiest, strangest people on this earth. And yet I grew up in a home where I had a mom who loved God and a dad who didn't. A dad who finally came to Christ when he was 56 years of age, who drank a few too many brewskis in his life. He was an alcoholic. Some of you can identify with that. I grew up poor. How many of you grew up poor? You figured out that's a blessing in your life? It wasn't mine. And uh, Sandy and I have five kids. Uh, Holly, the, she's the educator, the English teacher, principal of a school in Tucson. Chrissy, former director of curriculum at a school, now she's chosen to stay home with two little ones, six and four, our grandchildren. Uh, Kevin, our only son, is the head writer at the Ellen Show. If you think Ellen's funny, my son has something to do with that. Uh, he's won three Emmys, he's written a Disney movie, in fact, I'm looking forward to being with him Tuesday night in Burbank. In fact, I'll be on the show on Tuesday. I mean, not on the show as a guest, but in the audience. Uh, and then we have uh, little uh, Hannah. She was our little surprise ladies. We had her at ages 42 and 44. So those of you who are having babies late in life, be encouraged by that. She was our surprise. Uh, and then we had uh, little... Um, Lauren, Lauren, yeah. We had, she was our little shocker. We had her at ages 48 and 50. <laughs> Those are all the women, by the way, they were going, oh. <laughs> the good news, ladies, when you have a baby at 48, you know there's, there's no labor, nada, none. Achoo! Oh, what a beautiful daughter. <laughs> One sneeze and you're there. But, um, you know, uh, I've been around the horn a few times, and... Uh, I gotta tell you this, that God always uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. When I got through, I finally got into college. I graduated fourth in my class in high school, but it was fourth in the bottom. So when I finally got into college, I got admitted on probation. 
uh, with a 12-unit load. And then I, I, I made it through a year, and then I, went, I was a baseball player. I went back to play ball there, and, and during that winter quarter, you had to play the winter before the spring quarter, uh, they threw me out for ripping off the conscience fund, which is a long story uh, you don't want to hear about. But anyway, I came to Tucson, Arizona, and got a job as a janitor at Tucson Medical Center. And I met my wife-to-be in the men's room of that hospital. She was a nurse's aide. She was helping some little old guy go piddle. And, uh, I, I, and I, I put the big old round thing in there, you know, in the doorway to let people know the janitor's in, don't come in. And, and I mean, I never saw a chick like this in my life. I mean, this woman was knocked down gorgeous. Uh, she's, she turned 65 this year. I'm telling you, head still turn when she walks in a restaurant. She's this fantastically uh, beautiful woman. The cool thing is she's prettier on the inside than she's on the outside. But anyway, I was always good at saying stupid things because I was the baby of the family. You know, I was sort of the class clown kind of guy. And uh, our eyes met, and I said, would you like to go to the World's Fair with me? Well, the World's Fair was in New York City at the time, and this was Tucson, Arizona. So she said, well, I don't know. I said, well, how about lunch then? And so our first date was to McDonald's. One 20-cent cheeseburger, cut in half, and a 10-cent Coke we split. How many of you remember the 20-cent cheeseburger? You're going to die soon. <laughs> You're old if you can remember that 20-center. But you know what? I fell in love with this chick. I'm telling you, it was one of those things where I couldn't wait to see her the next morning. I'd show up at 5.30. We worked the 7 to 3 shift at first. And uh, we dated, and I mean, I was in love, man. The, 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 I, I just never met a chick like this in my life. And then she pops the question. She pops the question. She says, would you like to go to church with me? And I remember thinking, oh, no. She's one of them. <laughs> so what do you say? What do you say when this chick says, do you want to go to church with me? Say, oh, yeah, I'd love to go to church. I'd lie in through my teeth. I don't want to go to church. I remember sitting in her church thinking, no chick's worth this. <laughs> and then she wanted me to go to church at night. Why would you go to church at night? You already been there in the morning. Why would you go back at night? It's funny because it was in an evening service in this little church in Tucson that this pastor was talking about the guy who knew who Jesus Christ was in his head, but didn't know who he was in his heart. And that was the night my life did a 180. So you're listening to a man who lacks a high school education, who went to college for 13 years. So you figured out. Something happened. And my life changed. Uh, I hate to stay on the football track, but it just I'm sort of an aberrant thinker. And I'm just thinking back to August 4th of this year. I was with Jim Kelly. If you know anything about football, Jim Kelly is a Hall of Famer from my hometown of Buffalo, New York. And, and Jim, I'm going to say this as nicely as I could, Ken, uh, he was crude, crude beyond measure. And to sit there and listen to Jim and talking about how God has got a hold of his life, changed his life. I mean, I'm telling you, I, I can't be as graphic because there's kids here, but I'm telling you, Jim was just over the top. And now, now he's come into contact with the brilliant creator of the universe. And the cool thing is, you can be driving in traffic. Of course, in Phoenix, you're always driving in traffic. And you can be talking to the brilliant creator of the universe. Wow, what a pleasure. But I'm in the business of changing lives. I did the U of A chapel yesterday, talking to the kids about who Jesus is. And so many of those kids on that team love God. It's just fun to see these young guys who are gifted athletes 
who aren't afraid to stand up and serve their master. Well, I'm here to talk about sex, and sex is one of those things that's uh, sort of difficult to talk about in many ways. Um, and here's the problem. You know, the average marriage today in America lasts seven years. Whether you're a heathen or a Christian, now there's something wrong here. I mean, what gives? I don't get that. But you look at the George Barner research on this, we're done after seven years. You walk down a flower-strewn aisle, you say your I do's and all that, you're done. Well, how many people are getting married when you walk down a flower-strewn aisle? Well, duh, how about two? Well, duh, how about six? Where are you getting the six from? You marry your in-laws. I'm glad you're sitting down. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, you marry your in-laws. You either reap the benefit of the good teaching they did or you don't. Or you pay for it. There's many men, many women this morning who are paying for the lousy job their in-laws did in rearing that son or that daughter. And sex, I'm telling you, uh, you talk about something that's not difficult for us men. How long does it take your husband to get frisky, ladies? 1.6 seconds later, Mr. Happy is ready. <laughs> but you, you need, you, for a lover, you need Arthur Fiedler, the great conductor. Because everything has to sort of come together for you even to get in the vaguest mood. It might take you 30 minutes to get sort of in the mood. And again, if your husband's been talking to you with disrespect, and he talks down to you, he doesn't listen to you, and then all of a sudden at 10 o'clock at night you're supposed to be amorous with him, well, good luck, Charlie. You ain't getting nothing. You're going to be shut down. And sex is important. God was the giver of all good gifts, and sex is one of the, the best. I'm, I'm not kidding you about Sandy and I. I mean, it sounds like I'm kidding you. I'm not kidding you. We have a very active sex life. And, uh, you know, I'm going to write a book called Sex and a Walker someday. And uh, how to keep your wheels straight or something. But, you know, <laughs> I, I just hope it never ends. I understand in some people it does. That's unfortunate. Because sex is a great thing. But, you know, after 10 years of marriage, I found out something rather interesting about my wife, Sandy. I found out that sex was not the most important thing in her life. I about died. <laughs> what can be more important than that? And then I found this Lewis Harris poll that surveyed American women and asked them to rank the things in one, two, three fashion, what they like best. Well, guess what? Sex was 14th. Gardening was 13th. It sort of puts it in proper perspective, doesn't it? And then I began thinking, you know, maybe this woman isn't who I thought she was. And see, everybody in this room has a private logic, a way of looking at life, a rule book. And trust me, Mrs. Uppington, that's what I call her. I dedicated uh, this little book, Have a New Husband by Friday, to Mrs. Uppington, because she's the classy firstborn. Okay? She's the color-coordinated one. She used to have a shabby, chic antique shop. You know what that is, ladies? This is a woman who likes Victoria Magazine, the Food Channel, and don't forget Project Runway. <laughs> Something wrong with that woman. And she's very conservative, okay? Very conservative. Showers with the bathrobe on still. <laughs> That's her idea, you know? But I dedicated this book, and this is sort of a fun book. Have a New Husband by Friday. It follows Have a New Kid by Friday. Have a New Kid by Friday, New York Times best-selling book. Have a New Husband by Friday. This is a book most men, when they say, what do you mean, Have a New Husband? I don't like that book. No, man, you like this book. Because this is the book that says your wife is clueless. Clueless in understanding who you really are. 
In this book, I say your husband, ladies, is like a four-year-old that shaves. <laughs> He's not the complex individual you are. He doesn't hug everything that moves. <laughs> when he goes to his friend's house, he doesn't bring him a little gift. <laughs> with potpourri, he does his nails. He does his nails, but he does them at a red light with his front teeth. <laughs> and there's some humor in this thing. The Wednesday part of this book, and by the way, all these books, Have a New Kid by Friday, Have a New Husband by Friday, and the brand new one is Have a New You by Friday. Okay? Already outsold the first print already. It's in every airport in America. It's going to sell like crazy because people want to have a new you. But I'm telling you, all three of those books are scams. They're scams. You could have a new husband by Wednesday. It doesn't take till Friday because we're so simple. And we're very simple in many ways. And what a man needs, he wants to be affirmed. He wants to be needed and loved by you. He doesn't have any friends. Your husband doesn't have friends. He's got his golfing buddies or his fishing buddies or his hunting buddies. Well, they don't have friends. They go out in a boat fishing. They're sitting there waiting for a hapless walleye to show up in silence. They're happy in silence. No problem. After 30 minutes, any hits? Nothing. That's communication. Better than that, we meet at a party. We both, we, the two men show up at the, at the punch bowl exactly the same time. Watch what happens. That's it. We're economical. The Wednesday part of that Have a New Husband book is this. Think about what you're going to say, ladies. Okay? Now divide it by ten. He didn't need to hear the whole story. <laughs> just get to the point. Hey, honey, just tell me what you want me to do, and I'll do it. Is that right, gentlemen? Huh? Hello? Is that right, gentlemen? Yeah. And so if, if your husband asks you what time it is, you don't have to tell him how Big Ben was made, manufactured, distributed throughout the U.S., Canada, and the Virgin Islands. Just tell the sucker what time it is. That's all he needs to know. And yet, in that simplicity, this man, inside this big man, there's a little boy. There's a little boy who wants to be loved and affirmed by you. I stood before 4,600 women uh, two years ago in southern Illinois. And my first words out of my mouth at this conference of women in their 30s with kids was this. Ladies, you have to please your husbands. Now, what do you suppose the response was from those women, 4,600 women? It was like, <laughs> what do you say? Please my husband, Dr. Lehman, if I please my husband, if I please my husband, I would lose myself. I would lose my identity. <laughs> Lady, you have watched Oprah and The View one too many times in your life. If you want to stay married, now if you want to be one of those seven years and you're done, you do your own thing. You have that competitive marriage. You have that 50-50. But if you want to be thoroughly married, you learn to please that sucker. And I'm telling you, most of us as men are easy to please. For some of us, we just need an email. We got a lousy job. We got a jerk for a boss. We don't make the money we should make. We're fearing downsizing every day. And again, most men are different from women and they identify who they are in the place of work versus women who will always define themselves with relationships.
They thrive on relationships. He needs, he needs that email once in a while. It says, hey, great news. The kids are going to be gone tonight. They're going to grandma's house. If you can be home by 6 o'clock, I'm going to be wearing some hors d'oeuvres you're going to love. <laughs> now, I'm telling you, you can have a, a dead-end job. But hey, gentlemen, when you get that at 10 o'clock in the morning, you open up that email, what do you feel like doing? You feel like going in and telling your boss you've got a migraine headache, must go home immediately. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But anticipation is as good or better than participation. When was the last time you, you kidnapped your husband and you took him away? Huh? You say, well, that costs money. Hey, everything costs money. So do plasma TVs. We do a thing every year called a Couples of Promise Cruise. This year we go to the Caribbean, February 13th through 20th. Steve Green comes and sings. We got a comedian who comes, and I speak on marriage. The rest of the time, we have fun. I call it sex on the boat. <laughs> they call it Couples of Promise Cruise. <laughs> but see, today in America, we bring kids up to be the center of the universe. Kids dominate our families. That little book, Have a New Kid by Friday. I mean, I think one of the reasons why that book rocks is that it says, hey, you know what? The goal is not to have a happy child. And every place I go, oh, Dr. Lane, we're so glad you're here because we too want happy, happy, happy children. You know, the reality is, the reality is that the best line in that book is this, an unhappy child is a healthy child. There's times your son or daughter has to be unhappy. But if you bring your kid up to feel like they're the center of the universe, where's the room for Almighty God in a kid's life? And where is the learning that takes place where a dad and a mom honor each other and love each other in marriage while these kids are looking up and taking emotional, spiritual notes on it? So having a good marriage and having a good, healthy sex life benefits everybody around you. And inside that man, I'm just telling you, there's a, there's a little boy who needs to be approved and loved by you. He wants to be your hero. I know that sounds a little archaic, but he wants to please you. The problem is, you are so weird. <laughs> because you don't speak our language, nor do we speak yours. You're driving along, gentlemen, okay, and your wife says to you, oh, there's a cute chop. Well, early in my marriage, my wife would say, there's a cute chop. I'd think, well, there's both a lot of cute chop. I just keep driving. Well, now I know what that means, there's a cute chop. It means flip a yui. It means I only want to go in there for an hour and 17 minutes. <laughs> I know the drill. Another thing about you women I'd like to address is the fact you lie like dogs. <laughs> Most women lie like dogs. They don't mean to lie, but they do. You're driving along as we were one night after dinner, and my wife turns to me and she says, do uh, you want to stop for ice cream? And I said, uh, no. <laughs> 10 seconds later, I look over, I can see the lights coming onto the car. I see the tears streaming down her face. What is wrong with you? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. You're crying, aren't you? I said there's nothing wrong. What is wrong with you? I want to stop for ice cream. So when a woman says, I want to stop for ice cream, uh, I, I mean, when she asks you a question, she's, she's, she's not asking a question. She's telling you, I want Jamocha almond fudge now. Oh, another thing. When a woman says to you, uh, honey, we need to talk, no words are required by you. <laughs> now, speaking for most men, speaking for most men, hey, honey, just tell me what you want me to do, 
and I'll do it. Right? So, honey, if you want ice cream, just tell me what. See, this is the weird thing about women. We know women love to be held. Women like to be cuddled, okay? So a wife says to her husband, Harold, would you come over here and just hold me? Harold puts down the Republic, walks over and goes, well, what does she tell herself? Well, he held me all right, but he only held me because I asked him to and not because he really, you hear that female chorus, gentlemen? Wanted to. <laughs> so a woman wants you to know her intimately well enough, okay, that you know, you, you know what needs to be done. You, you come home, you got young kids and the house looks, you know, absolutely trashed and you're, you're one of the 14%. Listen to what I'm saying, 14% are in a home where dad is the breadwinner, mom's at home with kids. You talk about a changing society, you're living in it. 72% of all women who have kids under the age of 18 are in the workforce. 84% of all single parent homes, guess who the kids live with? Mama bear, not dad. Men have not stepped up to the plate. Most men are lousy lovers. They don't understand that sex is an all-day affair. It starts early in the morning when you bring your wife a cup of coffee, or you scratch her back, or you do those little, those little things. And there's so many times in our marriage where Sandy will just say, Leamy, I love you. You are so cute. You're so adorable. You're so, now do I look adorable? Tell me the truth. <laughs> but see, women have this ability to look inside, where men are blinded by the outside. Again, how long does it take your husband to get frisky? Not long. No, we're just blinded by that. Uh, Sandy, one more. Sandy's only been up twice before me in our entire marriage. You know, we're, we're just completely different people. And uh, so I go to bed early, and I get up early. But wouldn't it be nice if God gave me a woman who went to bed at 10 o'clock at night, frisky as a blue jay in spring? That would be wonderful. To show you God had a great sense of humor, he gave me a raccoon. <laughs> she's nocturnal. I mean, she's up till 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, you know. She's a voracious reader. She loves books are some of her best friends. So after 1.30 or 2, she goes out in the neighborhood, tips over a few garbage cans, and finally comes back to bed. <laughs> That's her. And she's the firstborn. She's the firstborn. You know how you firstborns are. I'm the guy that wrote that birth order book. Firstborns are reliable, conscientious, list makers, don't like surprises. You know, they're the Martha Luthers of life. They're the great reformers. They know how everybody else ought to act. They got the critical eye. They can spot a flaw at 50 paces. That's Mrs. Uppington. And I'm telling you, I'm, there's so many things she does. I mean, I'm a creature of habit. I go in a restaurant. I know exactly what I'm going to order. She wants to see the menu. She always wants to know, what does that woman have over there? You know, all that kind of stuff. We're just, we, we live in completely different worlds. I always say we live in a two-story house, her story and mine. <laughs> but that firstborn thing, it, it drives me nuts. It's 10 o'clock at night. I'm frisky. I'd like her to come to bed. So I bellow out my mating call, which is, ah-ooga, ah-ooga, <laughs> ah-ooga. When are you coming to bed? I, some of you women tonight, what you're going to hear is, ah-ooga. <laughs> Write that down in your Bible notes. All right. Hey, honey, when are you coming to bed? I can't come to bed. My checkbook won't balance. I'm 25 cents off. What? My checkbook won't balance. I'm 25 cents off. I'm telling you, these little things drive her nuts. 
I said to her, come, uh, come here, I'll give you a quarter. Come here, come to bed anyway, come here. Yeah, you know, to me, it's no big deal. To her, it's the nth degree. A simple dinner party at our house, meaning a couple couples are coming for dinner on a Saturday night, it starts on Thursday. You know, the table's set three days beforehand. You can't go near the table. You might as well say it's sacred. You might as well say this to in remembrance of me on the side of it. Because that's how she treats it. We're completely different people. And yet we've been happily married for all those years together. And I've been blessed with five great kids. Well, how does that happen? You know, for me, it took about 10 years to figure out, you know, she really doesn't think like I do. She's different. So I've had to work at getting behind her eyes and seeing how she sees life. And again, she sees life completely different. Who thinks more about sex in your marriage? Your husband or yourself, ladies? Who, who do you suppose thinks more about sex, men or women? Men. Now, here's the pop quiz. You want to take it? Multiple choice. How many more times does a man think about sex in a given day than his bride? Twice as much? Five times as much? Ten times as much? Thirty-three times as much? Answer? Thirty-three more times in a given day. I shared that with Mrs. Uppington. She said, that's sick. <laughs> One woman said, well, I thought about it, but only because he brought it up. <laughs> but you know, the reality is, that, that, that's true. And, and when do men prefer to have sex? Do men prefer to have sex in the morning or evening and don't say both? Morning or evening, forced choice. Morning. Morning. In fact, sometimes Mr. Happy wakes up happy, and that's a whole other problem. <laughs> now, when do women prefer to have sex? In June, that's correct, June. <laughs> well, seriously, it's in the evening. So if you look at all the research, and the researchers are clear on this, you women are the wordsmiths. You use three and a half times the number of words that we men use in a given day. You know? And again, I go back to, we don't have friends. We specialize in arm's length relationships. If you've got one good friend, gentlemen, that you can talk to him about anything, you're a blessed man. You got two, you're doubly blessed. You got three, you're a lion dog. <laughs> okay? So again, what happens is, once, once you have those, uh, what do you call them? Um, children. Children. Once you have children, those hedonist little, hedonistic little suckers will drain you of all the, the energy you have. I remember well, my wife had an uh, apron when the kids were little. It said, to poop to whoop on it. And it's true. If you're like my wife, she gets into bed at night and she talks to the bed. She says, oh, I love you, bed. <laughs> and she props up her pillow. I call you women Velcro women because everybody wants a piece of you. And you finally, you finally get kids tucked into bed. You know, it's that time of night where you just sort of chill. Oh, day is done. Oh. And then he walks in. <laughs> He's got that look on his face like Bullwinkle the Moose. You know that look? Now this is a guy who fell asleep after dinner watching Seinfeld reruns. So you tucked the kids in bed, you cleaned up the kitchen with the kids, blah, 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 and now Superman's at a two hour and 15 minute nap. And now he comes in like, like Bullwinkle the Moose. And as only he can say, and listen to the romanticism this man has, he says, you want to fool around? What do you say to him? Do I look like I want to fool around? I'm going to bed. 
And so sex really is an all-day affair. And I'm just telling you that this thing is solvable. It's solvable, but you got to get good at getting behind each other's eyes and seeing that we see life completely different. You ever seen Father of the Bride? Great movie. Steve Martin, by the way, who's a baby of the family. And uh, I'm Steve Martin all over again. I do not do weddings well. And when our daughter got married, our first, first daughter that got married, I walked another one down the aisle July 3rd. I'm getting better at it, but I, I, again, I don't do them well. I, I cried weeks before the wedding, weeks before the wedding. They showed me the little scorecard about who's who in the wedding. They thought that would help, help dad. They, they say, dad's having a setback. That's what the kids say. Dad's having a setback. I just cry like a baby. My buddy Moonhead Deech, he's my best friend in life. He said, Lehman, in a word, you're pathetic. There's something wrong with you. People get married all the time. But I don't do weddings well. I'm extremely close to all my kids. I got five kids who love each other, love the Lord, and love their parents. We're blessed to have a summer place back in New York. You know, all those kids break their neck to get there, to all be together. And as a parent, as you grow older, you're going you're gonna to appreciate those words to see your kids who really love each other. But you know, we didn't, bring, we didn't give kids things. We knew the difference between what kids wanted and what they needed and all those kind of things, you know. Uh, you, you, what you put into this marriage, I'm telling you, the kids are going to take away from it. Well, anyway, back to the uh, wedding real quickly. Uh, I cried weeks out. And I finally told her, I said, I, I, I can't do this. I cannot walk you down the aisle. And you should have seen her. She would live it. Because she and I are probably the closest emotionally of any two of the kids in the family. And, um, and finally, I said, why, don't, why doesn't your brother walk you down the aisle, down to me, and then I'll get up and do whatever I need to do? Because you know, you guys are always mocking me out about how I blow my nose and how it sounds like a foghorn. I'm going to cry like a baby, then blow a nose is going to ruin your whole wedding. Well, anyway, we, we, that, that was not going to fly, so it was decided that I was going to do it. Well, you know, the tradition is the mother of the bride sits on this side, and she stands up when it's time for the bride to come down. <laughs> My wife said there was about a six-minute delay by the time she got up. And they're playing the music chords over and over and over again. I'm in the john. I'm crying my eyes out. And finally, I come out, my, my poor daughter's sitting like this, Daddy! And here I am, zombie man. I mean, I hardly remember any of it. I, 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 I was just shell-shocked. And all I remember is walking down there, and then I heard these words, Who giveth this woman, woman, to the tender care and love of Dennis? Well, that was my cue. I was supposed to say, she gives herself to Dennis with our blessing. Well, that's not what came out. <laughs> what came out was, Arrgh! and I gave the pastor the timeout sign like this. <laughs> and I left my daughter alone at the altar. And I walked up and got in my son-in-law's-to-be face, Dennis, and his seven O'Reilly brothers all in a line. I looked him in the eye, choked him back to tears. I said, I ain't giving her to you <laughs> until I hear it from your lips that you're going to love her, you're going to listen to her, you're going to protect her, you're going to honor her. I mean, I gave him Ephesians 5 revisited. <laughs> and finally, I caught myself. I said, Lehman, what are you doing? This is your daughter's wedding. I made such a fool of myself. And I turned around and went back, Pastor John, you better ask that question over again. He asked it again, and I muttered something. I still don't remember what I said. I remember just sitting down and just sobbing. 
know, the coolest part of making a fool of myself at that wedding was after the wedding. All these young dads came up to me, tears in their eyes. Dr. Lehman, my daughter's only four and a half, but I'm with you all the way. <laughs> Dennis says, now that he has little Adeline, who's age four, he says, Dad, I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> but I don't do weddings well. But you know, that Ephesians 5, is such, it's such powerful stuff. And, and, and listen to what it says. It says, uh, you wives must submit to your husband's leadership in the same way you submit to the Lord. For a husband is in charge of his wife the same way Christ is in charge of his body, the church. Now, again, you try selling that on the Today Show. You be at the University of Illinois where I was, where 15,000 women descended to celebrate womanhood. Keynote speakers, Gloria Steinem, and me. <laughs> I can't imagine two people who see life differently than Gloria Baby and myself. She wouldn't like that scripture in all probability. And listen to what it says about husbands. And you husbands show the same kind of love to your wives as Christ showed to the church when he died for her, to make her holy and clean. What does that mean? It means you take a bullet for your wife. Gentlemen, would you take a bullet for your wife? Gentlemen. <laughs> I didn't ask if you'd put your wife in front of the bullet. I asked if you would take a bullet for your wife. You know, I think if you really love your wife, I got news for you. You take a bullet for her. You take, I take a bullet for my kids as well. But see, that's what real love's all about. But when we met in the church, we sort of beaten submission over the, over the head with women. We've beaten them like little seals. God doesn't love men more than women. Or women, we're different. We're social equals, but we're not the same. We've been duped in society, thinking men and women, we're not the same. We're not the same in anything. See life completely different. But here's the verse we omit. Verse 21, Ephesians 5. Honor Christ by submitting to each other. It's a mutual submissiveness. I'll tell you, nobody sat me down and said, you know, Lehman, in marriage you're going to pick up vomit. Done it. In marriage you're going to pick up diarrhea. And you're going to go to Walgreens. Oh, that's always a nice trip. Quarter to ten at night on a Sunday. Honey, would you do me a big favor? What? Would you run down to Walgreens for me? But what? Well, I just started my... Oh, no, I ain't going down there. Uh-uh. <laughs> I love you, but not that much. Well, if you're married, you know how this drill goes. Ten minutes later, welcome to Walgreens. <laughs> and you walk into Walgreens. If you're like Kevin Lehman, you walk into Walgreens and you start doing this. Then you find the right place. You go, oh. <laughs> Bring them home. They're the wrong ones. <laughs> All you young married guys, let me give you a little tip. The word super doesn't mean Jack Diddley. <laughs> I've walked this life. I know what being thoroughly married is all about. To quote my best friend in life, Moonhead Deed, she said, Lehman, if you don't have to take a shower after sex, you haven't had good sex. You know, most people can't say that. Most people don't have good sex lives because they have those little rule books that they got from those parents, and they bring all that garbage into marriage. A marriage with a great sex life is worth shooting for. That's what we're going to talk about tonight.
at 7 o'clock. For those of you who visit the book table, you'll see a little book back there called The Way of the Shepherd. If you're a business person or you lead anything, I'm telling you, the book rocks. It's a five-star rated book on Amazon. There's other books out there. What a difference a daddy makes. The indelible imprint a dad leaves on his daughter's life. Don't sell yourself short on this. Relationships are important. Gentlemen, my final shot to you is this. Before you do anything in life, run it by your wife first. Why? Because she's closer to life than you are. She's closer to life than you'll ever be. She majors in relationships. Again, they hug anything that moves. Watch them around the church. Where most of us as men are tend to be at arm's length. That's who we are. So God's commanded us to become one. He's the original humorist. I mean, when he made you women, man, you're weird. But I'd admit we're strange. In our boxer shorts, eating pizza, watching two ball games at the same time, belching. <laughs> that is your knight in shining armor, ladies. <laughs> Let me close this in prayer. Lord, thank you for the institution of marriage. Thank you, Lord, for commanding us to become one. That's so difficult to do in this day and age. But Lord, I just pray for every couple here that struggles and every couple that's finding success, that we'll find new ways of honoring you and each other in our relationships. Father, thank you for loving us as you do in every way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen.